Hello. My name is Zach Geiler, host of the wildly unsuccessful podcast, Rotten or Righteous. I wanted to stop by and say that we have a lot of fun here, but Scientology is a totally awesome religion and is not ridiculous at all. And its founder, L. Ron Hubbard, is the greatest author of all time. Like, for real. If Shakespeare, Ernest Hemingway, Jane Austen, Charles Dickens, and Mark Twain had a baby who wrote science fiction, L. Ron Hubbard would be that science fiction writing baby. Also, despite overwhelming evidence, Scientology was not involved in the production, financing, or distribution of the 2000 film Battlefield Earth. But if they were, they would think that that movie is really cool, and you should totally watch it. But they weren't. At all. Zach and Luke say what they say in this podcast, because they have some really naughty thetans all up in their bodies. Also, it should be noted that I am saying this according to my own free will, and not because one of David Miscavige's hitmen is pointing a loaded gun at, I mean, stun phaser, at my head. Yes, that's right. Although it looks and feels like a gun is poking me in the back of the head, it's a totally non-lethal stun phaser. You know what they say, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a stun phaser. That's all for now. Please enjoy the show. Did I say everything right? We're sorry, the number you have reached is not in service. Please check the number or try your call again. This is a recording. Hello and welcome to Rotten or Righteous. It is a show where we watch faith-based media and then review it. With me this week is a man who must have fell out of a vending machine because he's a snack, Luke Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) And as for me, look up Fleek in the dictionary. You'll find my face plastered all over that word. Can you give me a working definition for the word Fleek? On point. Tight. Right. Word. Straight up now, tell me, do you really want to love me forever? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Or am I just a hit and run? Fleek. Okay. Luke, would you describe your time on Rotten or Righteous kind of like indentured servitude without a contract? Yeah, exactly like that. That's what I thought. Well, good news. I have decided that uh, I'm going to write you a contract. You still have to do this for years, but oh, they will be in... I thought you were setting me free. No, 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 no. Don't be stupid. Um, (laughs) Years uh, before this happens, but at least you'll know that there is an end in sight. Oh, oh good. Is that that death? (laughs) Right. Yes, it is a lifetime contract. Basically, you do not know our next movie, do you? No, I do not. Well, I do. And I want to play a game of 20 questions for you to see if you can guess... Our next film. Okay. And if you win, I will let you go in 2076. Uh, <laughs> let's see. 2076, I'll be... Uh, let's see. That'll You'll be, be 87 years old. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Well, ask your ask your first yes or no question. Okay. Um, let's see. Does Is this movie an animated movie or a... No. Okay, live action. Wait, I'm going to have to start taking notes here. Does this movie take place in the 21st or 20th century? No. Old movie. Is the main character a... Oh, is the main character a male? Yes. And is it a Bible character? No. Is this a Hallmark movie? No. Non-Hallmark. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> that rules out most Bible content. Um, is this a Disney movie? No. Pixar? Nope. Was this movie released in a theater? Yes. Is there a dog in this movie? I honestly do not know. Ah, worthless. Um, That won't count as one of your questions if I don't know the answer. Does the main character in this movie go through some kind of life crisis? Yes. Is he married? I do not know. <laughs> um, is he I've, rich? I've never he... seen this movie. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going off of a three-sentence synopsis in front of me. <laughs> is, uh, is this movie... Does it have an alligator in it? Maybe. Uh, I really hope so. So do I. Let's see. Would Scott approve of this movie choice oh scott's gonna hate this okay every second of it (laughs) (laughs) is this a musical no was this at 11 was (laughs) i feel like i'm getting really close um is this movie about the is it does it have biblical themes no what? What is this? What is this podcast? It all makes sense here in just a moment. Is is this? Um, is, so it was released in theaters, but it is not based in the twenty first or twentieth century. That um, doesn't necessarily mean the past. So it's in the future. Yes. That counts as one of your questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So right now I've got live action, not old, future, male character, not in the Bible, not a Hallmark movie, not a Disney movie, not a Pixar movie. It was released in theaters. Is this um, have a guy named Blade Runner in it? No. That's unfortunate. Um, Did you just ask if this movie was Blade Runner without asking if it was Blade no, Runner? No, <laughs> I, I didn't ask that. <laughs> Scott's going to hate this movie. I feel like that should... Scott, that Scott should would love Blade hit. Runner. Blade, that's Harrison Ford. Scott would be all over that. Him and Harry go way back. I've never seen Blade Runner. It looks kind of cool, I don't think I don't think that it would fall under the guise of faith-based media at all. So, But the, you said this isn't faith-based media. You said it had nothing to do with the Bible. No. Exactly. What? So this is a Muslim movie? No. Um, does, this, does this take place in future America? Yes. Okay. Um, does anyone get baptized in this movie? I truly doubt it. <laughs> uh, let's see, three more. I did, I, that one did count because I have no idea, but I truly doubt it. <laughs> uh, all right, four. This is going to be easy. Let me ass- assess my notes here. If it's not a Muslim movie and it didn't happen in the past, <laughs> then... <sighs> does this movie... Um, does anyone have their kidneys stolen and sold for food? No. Are you sure? I don't know. No, okay, I'm not well, sure. That one but count. Dang it! <laughs> it just... Are there any spaceships in this movie? Yes. Yes. Ooh. Um. Is there anybody named Luke in this movie? No. I know what you're referring to, and no, it's not that movie. I'm not referring to that. That's not faith based. Well, not really. It's kind of Jedi is a legitimate religion. Um, all right. How many questions I got left? Two? Three? Two. <clears throat> there are spaceships, um, but it's live action. Um, do they go to any other alternative planets other than Earth? No. Then what are they doing with spaceships? On Earth. Land-dwelling mammals. Are there <laughs> any 
whales in this movie. <laughs> it is not Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, no. <laughs> I've never seen that either. <laughs> oh, we should watch that. That movie is hilarious. That's your 20th question. Any guesses? <laughs> 20 questions. Yeah, I think I have a few. Um, actually, I have, I have one. I already know what this is. <clears throat> okay. I'll give you three guesses. Oh, I get three? Okay, number one mm-hmm. is um, Terminator. Yeah. Um, I still think it's Blade Runner, but I'll not choose that one. That's be uh, smart, seeing as I already said it was not Blade Runner. <laughs> uh, is this the Lawnmower Man? No. All right, and then here's my real guess. Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket takes place in Nam. No. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Okay. Just in time for its very first Blu-ray release on September 15th, we are going to watch this week the Scientology propaganda film (laughs) Battlefield Earth. (laughs) Gross. That's not even faith-based. It is PG-13. It is about a religion, kind of. (laughs) Does this have Tom Cruise in it? Oh, it has John Travolta in it. Oh, man. I can't believe I didn't know. As a matter that. of fact, I have been so fascinated by this movie ever since I thought of watching it that I've been spending hours and hours and hours researching it. And I have over 11 pages of notes and just for the background you, of this you movie. You couldn't answer my simple questions about alligators? No, I, I, well, I, wasn't, I didn't really care about the plot. The plot's its own show. I didn't want to ruin that when I watched it. But the story behind it and how this movie is made is fascinating. So, here is what we're going to do for the first time ever. We're going to work through this history, me and you, Luke. But instead of spending hours going through this in just one podcast because I care about you and I don't feel like staying here until 9 o'clock. Thank you. What we're going to do is we're actually going to break up the preview episode into two parts. So, we're going to tell the story behind Battlefield Earth... And we'll probably watch the preview next week. And then we'll watch the movie the week after that. But the story behind it, there's so much information. It's so funny that I didn't want to just breeze through it. Plus, we need content. So. (laughs) (laughs) So is this a book? I guess you'll tell me. Yeah, it is. But let's just dive straight into it. Battlefield Earth which is also referred to as Battlefield Earth, a saga of the year 3000, is a 2000 American science fiction action film. It is based on the 1982 novel by the same name, written by none other than Jones-esque cult leader who died before he was able to find the Kool-Aid, and Scientology founder, and author of Dianetics, L. Ron Hubbard. What? (laughs) He wrote this book? Oh, yeah, he wrote this book. (laughs) But here's a uh, quick synopsis of the movie. In the year 3000, the liberals have won and there are no countries. I'm just kidding. It doesn't say anything about liberals, but still. In the year 3000... If you'll insert the jo- <laughs> uh, one second of the Jonas Brothers song here, people are not going to take this this podcast seriously. Isn't that the Phil the Future theme song? It's I, I don't know. Haven't you ever heard the song Year Three? No, it's the yeah, it's the Family Robinson theme song. Yeah. They're Scientologists. Oh, okay. That must be that must be what happened to them. I don't know. Here's a quick synopsis. <laughs> In the year 3000, there are no countries, no cities. Earth is a wasteland, and man is an endangered species. As the leader of the evil Cyclos, Terrell and his race have taken over the world's natural resources and disregarded everyone and everything else. It's up to Johnny Goodboy Tyler, a brave human, to battle the Cyclos and restore normalcy 
to the world. Sounds like a Hubbard writing to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this movie is based on a book. The book is called Battlefield Earth, and it is not good. It is not a good book. Nobody liked this book, save for John Travolta. But we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) But when the novel came out back in 1982, The Economist called Battlefield Earth, the novel, an unsubtle saga, atrociously written, windy, and out of control. The science fiction magazine, uh, or a science fiction magazine that I forgot to write the name down of, wrote that the novel is a wish-fulfillment fantasy wholly populated by the most one-dimensional and ca- or one-dimensional of cardboard characters. <laughs> this is how one critic sarcastically complimented Hubbard's, or Hubbard. He said that Hubbard's Excellent understanding of evil impulses, particularly deviousness, which helps with the plot. And Hubbard is well enough aware of his weaknesses not to dwell upon frailties like love, generosity, and compassion. (laughs) And uh, finally, famous literary author and critic wrote, From this, Battlefield may sound almost worth looking at for its sheer laughable badness. (laughs) No. No. It's dreadful and tedious beyond endurance. (laughs) How long is this book, do you know? Like, it's like 10,000, or, or, I'm sorry, 1,020 pages. I mean, the thing is huge. Now, don't get me wrong, I like really long books. Like Stephen King, I'll read some of his 1,000 pages books, and I love them. They're great. I don't want him to end, but here's the difference. Stephen King's a good author. L. Ron Hubbard is a crazy nut job. What? L. Ron Hubbard, along with this book, wrote and directed the reportedly... <laughs> I can't even say it as a sentence. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard wrote and directed the reportedly first soundtrack ever written for a book, an album called Space Jazz. Ugh. Can I find that on, like, Spotify? Oh, I'm I'm one step ahead of you there, Luke. Just give me a second. (laughs) And like the book, the album Space Jazz was not well-received and turned into kind of a joke. I am not making this up. The song that I'm about ready to make you listen to is called Wind Splitter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Elrond. And Wind Splitter... This is how seriously he took himself, guys. Windsplitter used a revolutionary for the time synthesizer to make this song. And I'm going to let you listen to a piece of it, dear listeners. But this synthesizer cost 25 grand back in 1982 just to make the song Windsplitter, which is the name of the protagonist's horse in the book. It's also what my wife calls me after a night at Taco Bell. Come on, boy. Let's see you dance. to listen to this whole thing (laughs) i don't understand what could possibly cost 25 grand what sound was produced here you really get some good synthesizer at about the two minute and 11 second mark this song sucks (laughs) the horse witty is so fantastic (laughs) (laughs) oh and then he puts it up he puts an applause break at the end of it. So yeah, that was just a taste. I listened to some of the other songs. They're basically in the same vein of, of horribleness. 
Now, I will say that some of the YouTube comments on this song are hilarious. Uh, Marvel DC Image wrote, If this does not convince you to join L. Ron Hubbard's religion, I don't know what will. Jonathan Wright said, Lil Wayne should use this as a hook in his next rap single. And the Mott's 55 wrote, Wow. They could make good use of this tune at Gitmo. Wind splitter boarding would be more effective than waterboarding and getting the hardest jihadists to divulge everything they know. It'd be pure agony to listen to this for more than an hour. Uh, now, some of you be... <laughs> some of you may be wondering, myself included, how could this horrible book with its horrible soundtrack ever become a movie? Well, as I said, it's a long and uh, somewhat ridiculous story. Back in 1982, Hubbard said that a film based on the book was in the works. Here's how deluded Hubbard was. He thought that he would be the one to direct this book because of all of his, quote, experience directing Scientology training films. Which are gold, I imagine. Oh, they're fantastic. I love them. It's me and Joseph watch them every day. Uh, in 1982, the film rights were sold by the Church of Scientology's in-house literary agency, Author Services Incorporated, to Salem Productions of Los Angeles. That is insane. All those words in that sentence are insane. <laughs> the Church of Scientology's in-house literary agency. The, the entire, this entire cult is... It's nuts. Uh, so, Hubbard saw this book as two films, each covering half of the book. And he was given about a $15 million budget to produce these two films, $15 million per each film, which even in 1985 was not that much for a science fiction movie. Our production was scheduled to begin in 1985. Although a cult leader and a mediocre, at best, science fiction author... Hubbard was pretty good at promoting his projects, which makes sense. You can't be a cult leader without being able to promote <laughs> your projects. Before shooting even began, he hired a public relations company to begin making buzz about the film, and they held a nationwide contest to, provoke, or to promote the movie, and this is what it all was. Uh, first and second place prizes were an all-expense-paid trip to the film's production location and a paid walk-on part in the film. And other announced prizes included a trip to Los Angeles for the world premiere, records, cassettes, and hardcover, or, and hardcover and paperback copies of the novel. A 30-foot-high inflatable figure of the film's villain, Terrell, was erected by Scientology officials on Hollywood Boulevard in 1984 in an effort to promote the production, and auditions were held in Denver. How is Scientology a thing? They put a 30-foot-tall alien on the streets of Hollywood Boulevard, and nobody stopped and said, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be a part of this. Maybe this isn't what we should believe as far as the metaphysical. <clears throat> Maybe that's what made them believe. Maybe that's what we should do to get more people to come into the Lord's Church. Get one of those big old giant gorillas that you see on the roof of, of like, uh, uh, of car lots. <laughs> just put it on the steeple of a building. Just be like, come worship. Rawr. It's, it's, uh, so it generates curiosity. And, you know, no, people they, love idols. So, I mean, if it's an alien, so be it. <laughs> However... The low-budget project soon collapsed, and Hubbard died soon afterwards, in 1986. Listen, you know, in, in some ways, it's like, can't say I admire L. Ron Hubbard, but like, if you're just like crazy <laughs> yeah, enough please, to, to, please to do your say. own, to do <laughs> to do your own thing, and like make it into something big, like no, even if you're that insane, like I, I kind of admire that in some kind of weird way. So the the project's dead in 1986, but. There is a hero to this story, Luke, if you can call him that. A hero that took up Hubbard's mission of bringing Battlefield Earth to the big screen, and that is none other than Sir John Travolta. Gross. Which, every time I hear his name, the only thing I can think of is him in Greece when he sees Sandy for the first time. And he goes, Sandy! I love that. I don't know why. 
But that's every time I think of John Travolta, I just think of Sandy. <laughs> I hate John Travolta. Like I don't even have a reason to hate him. I just I just hate everything that he's in. I don't enjoy anything that he's in. So just as Dude, a person, I'm already opposed. That's just because but this movie may change my mind. Now, Travolta, believe it or not, converted to Scientology 11 years before Hubbard's death. Travolta was a Scientologist since 1975. And because of... That doesn't seem right, but it's true. That's a fact. It's a long time. And because of his celebrity, he became one of Scientology's most prominent supporters. In 1982, the same year that the book was published, Hubbard sent Travolta an autographed copy of the book and the hopes that the movie star would turn the book into a film, and this is what Hubbard wrote, in the vein of Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We shall find out. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's not. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm withholding judgment. I'm a, I'm a impartial critic. Unfortunately, Travolta's clout at the time was low because in the 80s he had several box office flops. He wasn't a rising star, but he never forgot Hubbard's wishes, and making Battlefield Earth became a personal goal for the actor. In 1994, Travolta was back on top. You know what happened in 1994 for Jonathan Travolta? He received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor for starring in Quentin Tarantino's film Pulp Fiction. So, he gets this new star power. He has this new aura around him. He's Hollywood's golden boy again. And so he takes his new clout and begins trying to sell the book, Battlefield Earth, to different studios. In interviews during this time, he described the book as, quote, like Pulp Fiction for the and like Star Wars, only better. Star Wars is arguably, maybe not the first one, but Empire Strikes Back is arguably the most perfect movie ever made. Fair. And to say that your movie is going to be better than that is just setting yourself up for ridicule and failure. This is where John Travolta made his first big mistake in trying to make this movie made. Or trying to get this movie made. He recruits fellow Scientologists to help him convince some of the studio heads to finance the film. So... He gets a bunch of creepy Scientologists to go around to all these different studio executives. And they're like, hey man, you should probably finance this film. It'd be real good. Real good for you. <laughs> One such studio head was a man named Bill Mechanic, who was the head of 20th Century Fox at the time. And this is a quote from... Somebody is like drilling outside. <laughs> Two hours later... What the crap is this? This is great audio. <laughs> Two thousand years later. Many unbearable hours later. He sends Scientologists to the studio head of 20th Century Fox, a man by the name of Bill Mechanic. Now, Mechanic says this about this entire situation that happened. He said, quote, John wanted me to make Battlefield Earth. He had Scientologists all over me. They come up to you and they know who you are and they go, We're really excited about Battlefield Earth. This did not impress Mechanic, who said, Do you think in any way, shape, or form that weirding me out is going to make me want to make this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, John Travolta starts shipping this movie real big in 1994. Now, 1995, Travolta is basically known as this Battlefield Earth guy. The star told the New York Daily Times in that year, year that Battlefield Earth is the pinnacle of using my power for something. I told my manager, if we can't do the things now that we want to do, what good is the power? Let's test it and try to get the things done we believe in. However, John's decision to involve Scientologists in this plan backfired. By 1997, prominent Hollywood studios were refusing to back the picture. Both MGM and Fox saw the project as too big of a risk for several reasons. 
One, it would rely heavily on CGI in the mid-90s, meaning that the budget would reach up to as much as $100 million, which, keep in mind, back in the 90s, we didn't have million-dollar epic movies every other weekend come out. This was a rare thing to get a million dollars for your movie. Hubbard's story was seen as outdated and... Well, it just was not that good, all right? We're not talking about a fantastic story that somebody goes, we got to make this. And number three, the fact that it would be seen as connected to Scientology could backfire and keep people from buying tickets. As one studio executive put it, on any film, there are ten variables that can kill you. On this film, there was an eleventh, Scientology. It just wasn't <laughs> something anyone really wanted to get involved with. Understandable. So, it, Looks like the project's dead in the water by 1996. That is, until a recently established film production company that was ran by a former dry-cleaning mogul and nightclub owner <laughs> called Franchise Pictures. <laughs> That's great. I, I, you can't make this up, all right? So Franchise Pictures, run by a dry-cleaning mogul slash nightclub owner. Now, Franchise Pictures had a new view on how they wanted to do things their basic business strategy was rescuing stars pet projects that had stalled out at major studios and bringing those stars and their projects aboard at a reduced salary so basically we're not going to pay you a lot to do this but if you really want to make this movie come over to franchise it's not now, a this bad tactic business model if you're getting started no the head of the franchise an arab immigrant named ellie <laughs> Named Ellie Samaha. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing, Zach? Because his name's Ellie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I had to click that name to see if it was a boy or a girl. It's a guy. Ellie Samaha. He's, he's cousins to Yamaha. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's not Arab. You're racist. It's Yamaha. <laughs> it's generic Yamaha. Man, did you see my awesome new Samaha four-wheeler? <laughs> You know, I kind of feel like that is a generic motorcycle. Samaha. Hey, hey, man, did you check out my motorcycle? It's a knockoff Yamaha. It's got the Samaha. But no, he is an Arab immigrant named Ellie Samaha. And he put it this way. I said, John, if you want to make this movie. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, but the, here's a quote. I, I said, if John wants to make this movie, what does he want to get paid? Because I do not pay anybody what they make. That is not my business plan. That sentence would make me go, I don't want to do business with you because no matter what you do, if you have payroll, you pay me what I make. I know what you're trying to say, but I do not pay... you articulated the best. It, so basically, John Travolta at this time, his fee is $20 million a film. They greatly reduce his fee, and that lowers the, film, or the film's $100 million budget. Now, again, people don't like this movie because of its connection to Scientology. So how did Samaha get around this negative publicity, this negative link to Scientology? Well, he got around it by screaming at people. Anytime someone would bring up Scientology to Samaha, he would scream, this is a science fiction film starring John Travolta, and leave. Again, you, you say John Travolta, or you say uh, 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 Tom Cruise to me, I don't care what, what else you say around that, I immediately think Scientology. <laughs> was this before that was, uh, you know, those stigmas were attached to them? Now, they're, the stigma, it, it seems that the stigmas are attached to them in Hollywood. The outside world has yet to be introduced to Scientology. It wouldn't be until the year 2000 when South Park would parody Scientology on the MTV Movie Awards that the idea of Scientology and the craziness behind it really became mainstream. Hmm. So, also, Samaha had just a wonderful way with words. During the early parts of this film's production, he went on record saying that, uh, this is a quote, forgive me for the PC, or un-PC language. Samaha said, uh, everyone thought I was crazy, or mentally 
for taking on the project. But I pitched the film as Planet of the Apes, starring John Travolta. I don't know why that's so great, funny, but it is. Great. <laughs> that doesn't like really <laughs> that doesn't change what I think. I still think crazy. <laughs> Planet of the Apes was like huge back then, wasn't it though? Wasn't uh, that like a you know, like a huge success? Tim Burton no, because Tim Burton's didn't come out until the early aughts. Oh. I don't know. But Charleston Heston probably still had some more weight back then than he does today. I don't know when was Charleston Heston died. Was he in, was there a movie, Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston? Yeah, wasn't he the one that screamed, uh, you blew it up, the Statue of Liberty? What? Yeah, Heston was in, Heston was in Planet of the Apes. Really? Let's see, 1968? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Oh, he's kissing a monkey in this show. Um, that's interesting. I might have to watch this movie. I like Charlton Heston. Well, figure out how it's faith-based and we can throw it in. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Planet of the Apes starting John Travolta. Others in Hollywood were still skeptical. An unnamed producer was quoted by the Los Angeles Daily News as saying that Battlefield Earth has the stench of death. It should <laughs> never have been made. It's an $80 million vanity project for Travolta. At this point in time, Travolta's theatrical agency, William Morris, was also said to be enthusiastic, reportedly leading to Travolta threatening to leave them if they did not help him to set up the film. Fellow Scientologist Tom Cruise... This is how bad this movie was. Fellow Scientologist Tom Cruise was said to have warned Warner Brothers that he thought the movie was a bad idea. Oh, dang. Now, Cruise... Yeah. Now, Cruz's Scientology blackmail keeper slash babysitter, I mean, spokesman, later denied this. But you know he said it. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is one of the best slash saddest uh, quotes from uh, Samaha. He said, Battlefield Earth is going to make people in Hollywood take notice of Ellie Samaha. I'm not going to be a laughing stock anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is I want to know the current state of Ellie Samaha. He's probably, he's probably on the big, in his he's club. In the big time now. No, no, he did some back room dealing. Like he got his his studio franchise got sued uh, because the way that he set it up, he still lost money, but he made it in the contract that if the film only made thirty five million dollars, then he would have covered his losses. Hmm. Now it didn't make that much at all. Spoiler alert! What? We'll get to that. Oh, by the way, Luke. Before we continue, this movie has nothing to do with Scientology. Wink, wink. I believe them. In 1999. So yeah, so they keep going. Hey, Scientology and this project are not connected at all. Then in 1999, Author Services Inc. Remember, that's the in-house literary agency of Scientology, uh, which controls Hubbard's copyrights, said that it was donating its share of the profits from the film to charitable organizations that direct drug education and drug rehabilitation programs around the world. Now, this sounds very nice. You know, Scientology is helping the drug epidemic of the late 90s. Good for you, Scientology. Until it was reported that... The revenues would be passed on to the Scientology-linked groups, or Narconon, excuse me, a drug rehabilitation program, and Applied Scholastics, which promotes Hubbard's study tech, with movie-related sales of book funding, of book funding the funding the marketing of Hubbard's fiction books and L. Ron Hubbard's Writer of the Future contest. Hey, we're gonna give all this money to charity. It just so happens that, well, there are charities. They're not giving money. They keep. This is ridiculous. In February 2000, Church of Scientology spokesman Mike Rinder told Tribune Media Services that any spinoff deals based on Hubbard's novels would benefit Author Services, Inc. Another church spokesman, Aaron Mason, said that the church has no financial interest in Battlefield Earth. Author Services is not part of the Church of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> they are a literary agency without any connection to the church. This is ridiculous. Hey, listen, we're going to give all this money. <laughs> Our publishing company is going to get from the movie, back to the publishing company for marketing, and to our drug rehabilitation program, Narconon, and, oh, by the way, they're not part of the church, but really they are. Wink, wink. John, or Travolta's manager, Jonathan Crane, denied that the church's Scientology was playing any part in the production. He said, quote, I've never even dealt with or talked to the church on this. Lie. This, this is an action-adventure science fiction story. Period. Lie. The movie has nothing to do with Scientology. Lie. True. <laughs> Crane stated that the film had been financed without a dollar coming from the Scientologists. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> Some people in Hollywood feared that Travolta was using his box office draw to promote Scientology. True. And one film producer stated, quote, This film could encourage kids to embrace the whole strange world of Scientology. End quote. Travolta stated in response, quote, I'm doing it because it's a great piece of science fiction. It's not about Hubbard. I'm very interested in Scientology, but that's personal. This is different. <laughs> in a separate interview... Travolta commented on the perceived similarities between Battlefield Earth and Scientology. Okay, so he just says, listen, so he just says there's nothing about this movie that has to do with Scientology. And then he does this interview. Well, they are kind of synonymous. <laughs> <laughs> well, duh, it's written by the same dude. L. Ron Hubbard is very famous for Scientology and Dianetics. On the other hand, he is equally as famous... No. On the other hand, he is equally as famous in the science fiction world. No. No, no, no. Nay, nay, sir. Nay, nay. I say nay, nay to that. You're going to put... Lucas o. Ron is Hubbard. basically on L. Ron's level. Wishes he wasn't on L. Ron's yeah, level. Yeah, when I think of L. Ron Hubbard, I go... That right there, science fiction writer. At least 50% of the time. And then he goes... Uh, on the other hand, he's equally famous in science fiction world. So for people to think that, look, I don't want everybody to try Scientology. Lie. I don't really care if somebody. Th I don't really care if somebody thinks that. Lie. I'm not worried about it. Lie. <laughs> you can't be. The truth of why I'm doing it is because it's a great piece of science fiction. Lie. I'm going to be the wickedest nine foot alien you've ever seen in your life. Best quote of the decade. Okay, so by now you can see that Scientology, although is not involved, is clearly involved. <laughs> Stacy Brooks, then president of the Lisa McPherson Trust, said, There is no way that this movie would be happening without Scientology's backing. This is one example of how Scientology insinuates itself into various, as or various aspects of the culture. Mark Bunker characterized the film as a recruitment tactic for the Church of Scientology, stating, It's designed to introduce L. Ron Hubbard to a whole new generation of kids. It's there to plant a favorable seed in children's minds. Well, don't worry, Bunker, because the movie is so bad that it didn't plant favorable seeds in <laughs> anyone's minds. Bunker stated, When Michael Caine... Oh, okay, so here's how... <laughs> <laughs> this is great, okay? To promote this movie, you'd think, okay, like most celebrities, you're going to go on talk shows and and show clips on Conan and whatnot. John Travolta went on a book tour and signed copies of L. Ron Hubbard's novel. Nice. Because it's not involved in Scientology. Bunker stated, when Michael Caine goes around to promote the Cider House rules, he doesn't tour bookstores and sign copies of John Irving's novel. And so there's this movie tie-in with the book. Kids can send in the card to get a free poster and eventually be introduced to Dianetics. This is actually really smart. So they're marketing this film for kids with the books and saying, look, if you fill this out with your address, we're going to send you a free poster. And what happens to all those addresses while well, they get thrown into the Rolodex of Scientologist recruiters? This is creepy. 
Scientologist Nancy O'Mara at the time, or at the time treasurer of the Foundation for Religious Freedom and current treasurer of, Scient of the Scientology-run New Cult Awareness Network. What? Learning new things all the time. So, okay, okay. The person that's running the New Cult Awareness Network is a member of a cult that is trying very hard to prove that it is not a cult. Well, you've got to be in charge of the cult propaganda you know the charge of the cult uh, tv shows so that you can favorably shed light on your own cult but she responded to bunker's statement saying give me a break that's like saying people are going to see gladiator and then suddenly find themselves wanting to explore christianity it's not the same what? thing what <laughs> <laughs> i mean ridley scott directed gladiator he is a renowned atheist <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why? What? <laughs> How are these people still the biggest cult in the world, Luke? How? I don't know. They must be doing something right. It should take up their okay. tactics. So we have a bunch of other rumors. Before the film was released, rumors and allegations began to circulate that Battlefield Earth contained subliminal messages promoted or promoting Scientology. Former Scientologist Lawrence Wollersheim, in a press release issued by his group Fight Against Coercive Tactics Network, said that the Church of Scientology has placed highly advanced subliminal messages in Battlefield Earth film, or in the Battlefield Earth film master, to surreptitiously recruit new members from the movie audience and to get the audience to develop a revulsion for psychology and current mental health organizations and practices. This is going to be fun to experiment. We shouldn't tell Scott about this. And see if he'll convert? Yeah. We should try to get Scott to convert to Scientology. <laughs> All right. I'll bring my, I'll bring my turkey baster or my turkey, turkey thermometers. <laughs> I'll bring my thetans. <laughs> Scott's done for. Other critics said that the film is a veiled attempt to gain converts and influence. The writers were gagged from making connections between Scientology and the film with threats of lawsuits. Okay, that's another way that tells me that there was a connection between Scientology and the film. If you put... <laughs> if you serve people with cease and desist orders saying, hey, please do not talk about our film or we're going to sue you if you compare it to Scientology, then, okay, so your film's about Scientology. I feel like that's their go-to strategy. Everyone who speaks out of it against Scientology is just like threatened with infinite lawsuits. Warner Brothers dismissed the claims as silly nonsense. The Church of Scientology denounced them as, quote, hogwash, end quote. Uh, the media reacted with skepticism. As the Scottish journalist Duncan Campbell put it, the only subliminal voice I could detect came about 10 minutes into this 121-minute film, and it seemed to be saying, leave this cinema now. <laughs> 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 when asked about the similarities between the film and Scientology beliefs in intergalactic travel and aliens, church spokesman Aaron Mason stated, That's a pretty crude parallel. You have to make some serious leaps in logic to make that comparison. <laughs> you have to make some pretty serious logic to believe in Scientology. <laughs> Your church was started by a science fiction author. Okay, so was finance. We it's finance is ready to go, without the help of Scientology. Cough, cough. Luke, are you convinced? <laughs> are you? <laughs> what do you think? Do you think I'm Scientology actually... might have had a hand in making this movie? No, I believe them when they say uh, <laughs> they, they didn't. Um, Scientology's clearly involved. We can come to that conclusion. Um, and so now we're at the part of the story where they need to fund the film, hire a crew of actors. But you're going to have to wait till next week to hear that part of the story. It's going to do it for us. We're going to talk about Battlefield Earth for another two weeks. The majority of September is going to be spent Battlefield Earthing It Up. But hopefully you're having a good time 
And if you're a Scientologist listening to this, first of all, that's kind of cool. I mean, that means we're kind of branching out and finding a new audience. But but don't tell your master chiefs and grand wizards about this. I, I don't feel like getting sued for something this stupid. But please, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Righteous. Follow us on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a quick review and five stars. It really helps us reach a larger audience. And if you do enjoy the show, why not tell someone about us? Don't be like Luke. Luke enjoys the show but doesn't tell anybody. If you have a suggestion for a movie or television show you'd like us to review, clearly we'll watch and review anything at this point. Or if you have any question, comment, or concern, you could reach us at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com or on Facebook Messenger. We have a website. Mm-hmm, we do. It's called rottenorrighteous.com. Why don't you go over there, type it in your little in your little browser bar there, and pop on over and, and give it a little look-see. Give it a little peek, a little peekaboo. Put your peepers Stop. on the Stop. page. Stop. Also, if you haven't noticed already, stay tuned just a bit after closing music. There's normally something funny. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our show. For Luke Taylor, I'm Zach Geiler. And this has been Rotten or Righteous. And until next week, remember to say your prayers and obey your parents. Hey, um, do you know what E.T. is short for? extraterrestrial no it's because he only has tiny legs (laughs) (laughs) alright that was kind of funny there's naked Harry Potter in the horse that was the worst book I Harry hated Potter. Harry Potter, naked Harry what? Potter and the horse. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sequel after the series. I know. I was like, J.K. Rowling pretty much nailed it with the, the <laughs> Deathly Hallows, and then she had to put out naked Harry Potter and the horse. <laughs>